Exegesis. Welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, the podcast that picks through the Steely Dan back catalogue like a crime scene cleanup team. Each week, we examine a Steely Dan song in forensic detail, working through their albums in chronological order from 1972's Can't Buy a Thrill to 2003's Everything Must Go. This week's exegetes are myself, Oliver Piper, the abominable Andrew Shooter, who sounds like this. Good evening. And Benjamin, Benjamin Jones, who makes these kinds of noises. Hi. A special shout out to Ben for coming back mm. yet again. Um, the uh, the third exegete, as he's already been called. But also special shout out this week to listeners in Barrytown, New Zealand, uh, Barrytown, Alabama, and Barrytown, New York. You got to be from another world. And what I'd like to ask our exegetes as we go into the episode is, who are your favourite Barrys? Gib. Okay. Explain why. Uh, I think he's got a really lovely voice, and I like the Bee Gees. So Gib would be my the, the, the Barry that springs to mind. Uh, the only other one I can think of... Well, the only other ones I can think of are Goldwater, the Republican senator from the 60s, um, mm. Chuckle, the British light entertainer, and White. I forgot about Chuckle. And White, the, the walrus of love. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Penn Jones? Well, I've, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stumped here because uh, I, I would have been thinking about this for a month. Um, but I quite like Todd. I quite like Todd Barry. Uh, is our surnames uh, a viable Barry? Can it, can the Barry be the surname? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Todd or places like Barry Island, for instance. Mm. Yeah, the Great Barry Reef. <laughs> mm. I would like to remind listeners that uh, I promised in episode one of this series to get myself a Steely Dan tattoo. If we hit 55 star reviews on iTunes, Ben, as a man who loves Steely Dan, you, you, you're well invested and draws our caricatures that we use to promote each series. Ben is well invested in the imagery of Dan. So I'm... Uh, yeah, the symbology. Not to put any pressure on you. Uh, no, well, I mean, you could you could take it back to the influence for their name. You could you could have a, a, a metal dildo on your on your on your on your on your body. Mm. No, he needs to have something that he doesn't have already. It's it's got to be it's got to be novel. Very okay, very okay. So you got a variety of dildos already. Very good. Yeah. Um, good. I think on the left on the on the length of your penis, it should say El Supremo. <laughs> but when it's fl- when it's flaccid, you can't read it. It's all bunched up, and then as it grows erect, it just says El Supremo. So it gives people an incentive to give you an erection. <laughs> exactly, and you can whip out your flaccid penis in social situations and say, "Guess what happens if you give me a hard on?" Um, well, yeah, yeah. So, Symbology-wise, I mean, you you can. T- I think you can tell the band don't really care. They they give it to. They give the job to whoever walks past first, and, and they say, "Listen, I'll just just make make it make some art, do some art on it." <laughs> so, you know, I have no idea what what one image like because no one image like really stands out to me as like a like a like a special one. I think I think it would have to be personal to you, you know, dude. Uh, you, you know, you know what Dan symbology really strikes your heart in a special way. Get your expectations up. 
for a, a song about a bunch of losers. <sighs> Would you like some song facts? Mm. About what songs, though? This is a great tune. Right. And I'm not, I'm not asking for your opinions, but something's bothered me. My first song fact is this. I'm, I'm bothered. And I'll tell you why I'm bothered, right? Is that, to me, this is like standout single material. And again, I'm not asking. I don't want you to give your thoughts because mm. I know you can't help yourselves. But to me, this is like this is one of the big tunes on Pretzel Logic, right? Yeah, the YouTube views for this song on the official Steely Dan YouTube channel are pitiful mm. compared to some of the others. So we have, for instance, Ricky, don't lose that number. You'd expect that to have a lot. Nearly 5 million, right? Any major dude, 1.6 million. Mm. Night by night, half a million. Barrytown, two hundred fifty thousand. What the fuck? It's a, it's a, it, it's completely smashed my worldview, Dan view. Because to me, I'm like, it, to me, this is like one of the absolute bangers on. A, it's like a pop banger in, on Pretzel Logic, and it seems like the world doesn't agree with me. I don't know if it's you know. So I I, I listened to it probably about nine, twelve times in a row today, and. It did start mm. to fade into the background. And I remember when I did the same thing for my old school, it was exciting every time. So, mm. and I know, I know my old mm. school is kind of incomparable, right, in my book. Uh, but, it, it, yeah, it, it made me think, oh, it's a bit kind of like in the background FM radio vibe in, in a way. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't have those kind of surprise moments. It kind of, it chugs along. You know, this I love this song, don't get me wrong, but... Um. Yeah, maybe that's why that 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 could be that could be part of the explanation as to why people don't love it this much. Sure, sure thing, sure thing. It's just uh, it's just I'm basically I'm really hurt that Night by Night has doubled the views because I think Night by Night is a completely meh song as far as the Dan goes. It was covered by Ben Folds Five on the Me Myself and Irene soundtrack feel like I've said that about 40 times mm. by now. There's lots of Dan covers on the Me, Myself and Irene soundtrack if you're just joining us. Um, Becker quite liked that cover, mm. apparently. He said it was one of the better ones. So I just want to get your thoughts on this quote. Just see how it sits with you. Mm. So Ben Folds said, I don't see how you could be a musician and not appreciate what they, Steely Dan, did. This may be a really weird thing to say, but when Beck started to hit, I felt like Beck was Steely Dan. I felt like Beck was Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. He's that, he that? sounds detached from reality. Yeah, does he elaborate? <laughs> In what way is Beck like... Is it is it that Beck combines... He combines elements from different musical styles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In a fresh, zingy way. And he has, a, and he, has a, a, he has an awareness of groove. He has an awareness of groove, and of, yeah. And of melody. Mm. I, I, that's all I can picture yeah um not taking a piss out of ben falls for saying that just wanted to see how that it, it did strike me as a little odd uh, yeah as a comparison um do you want to know what gary Katz said yeah the, the adorable simpleton um <laughs> <laughs> yeah please gary Katz said i like that album there are some songs on there that i like a lot barrytown i love barrytown <laughs> oh i love him i love him uh, next fact, Donald wrote this one himself. Um, he said, we more or less put both names on all the songs, but I've written a few myself. 
I can't recall anyone specifically except Barry Town on the Pretzel Logic EP, mm. LP. I don't think it came off so great anyway, so I don't know if it's a good idea to do stuff by myself. Mm. Oh. <laughs> F.U. Fagan. Uh, the Enemy review at the time said this would be a hit single if it was a half reasonable world. It also compared it to the Beatles' Tell Me What You See, if you know that song. But it says it skillfully skirts the... It's, what a fucking sentence, mouthful. <laughs> it, it skillfully skirts the schmaltz of such as Midnight Cruiser and the David Palmer tracks on Thrill without losing any sweetness. Um, it, that's my facts. Again, disheartened and slightly personally hurt mm. at the, how few facts there are out there about this song. We started using him uh, for percussion and also for piano and vibes. Piano and vibes. 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 Piano and vibes. Vibes. Uh, I'm most interested in hearing Ben Jones's vibe as he's the guest. Although, although, judging by the look on his, the panic look on his face, uh, he's uh, he's we we didn't remind him to do a vibe, and he's probably uh, <laughs> uh, you know he's uh, probably forgotten. My last my last vibe was just a fucking disaster. It's terrible. Um, you know, I I, I thought I was a good improviser, and uh, it turns out maybe less so. Um, <laughs> Uh, suits my goots. Mm. Can you give me some kind What's of... So, so look, my vibe, I, I think, is really, really bad. I don't want to share it with you. I think it's shit. So can mm. you elicit a vibe from me somehow? Barrytown. Mm. Barrytown is like a buffet because... Barrytown is like, like a buffet because... It isn't like a buffet because if I'm at a buffet... I have zero self-restraint. Mm. Like I'm, oh, really? I'm an absolute. This is, this is interesting in itself. Yeah, I'm an absolute pig at a trough at a buffet, and you don't have the you don't have the thing that I have, where like if I was if I was on my own and I had free reign, I would eat horrible amounts of mm. things. Mm-hmm. But I, I have this weird social stick aware, awareness awareness of a social stigma about eating too much, so I always eat far less than I want to. So, so I would say this is only in the buffet scenario. So if the three of us were yeah. having... If, if the three of us were at the <clears> pub <throat> and there was a bowl of chips, I would be scrupulously polite and not eat too many. Mm. But in a buffet scenario, I just go hog wild. I just am a disgusting pig man. And I would say that that, that is my lifelong experience so, of buffets. That doesn't resemble Barrytown at all because I could take or leave Barrytown. Barrytown is like a dip that you try and you're like, yeah, compliments to the chef, and then you move on and have a cocktail sausage. Taramasalata? Yeah. Barrytown is Taramasalata. Barry, there's my vibe. Barrytown is Taramasalata. <laughs> if I am to add, uh, uh, you know, if I am to say what kind of sauce or condiment Barrytown is to me, it's, it's, it'll be mushy peas. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. I like mushy peas. I like mushy peas, but it's a bit background, you know. I've got a choice of two vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, one slightly mean spirited, and one um, slightly political, I guess. Mm. So my first one is Rob Dylan. Nice, Bob Felon. Mm, yeah. Oh come on, that's that's at least as good as Rob Dylan. Mm, it's a tad tad less good. I I, I apologise. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> I put my heart and soul into this fucking podcast. <laughs> Blood, sweat, <laughs> tetanus. I pour it all in. And then you two sit there and criticise my Bob Dylan joke. Uh, my other vibe is Steely Dan dissect the alt-right playbook. Hmm. I like it. Which we will, you know, I'm sure we will touch on in the lyrics mm. when we get there. Um, I think that's spot let that, on. Let that sit and uh, put off any listeners who might have differing political opinions <laughs> to us. Uh, I, I started maybe doing more of the music. The music. The music. So, so it was a more complex than music after a while. Music. Hey, it's, it's going to be boring if, if if we don't add some some rubby rubby notes. I'll play. I'll tell you who played on this song. Um, well, I actually don't know. I assume it's the uh, I assume it's the classic band minus Hodder. We also have uh, Poco's Timothy B. Schmidt on backing vocals. Just for your just for your context, this is I th- I think the uh, Diaz Becca Fagan. Skunk and not hotter combo, which is which is pretty much for can't buy a thrill band, and I think that's kind of apt because this to me sounds like it could have been on can't buy a thrill. It's like classic, straightforward yeah. rocking dance song. Thoughts? Yeah. No, no, I agree. Boringly. <laughs> cool. That's the music. <laughs> there isn't much to say about the music. I think. <clears throat> I mean, so when I so I didn't like this song when I first heard it. I then grew. I had a little road to Damascus mini conversion scenario, and I think what happened was that both both of you, and also the Dan community, were like, "This is a Dylan-esque song. This is a song that could, like it could be like harmonically. It sounds like a Dylan song." At least for the verse and the chorus, lyric like Fagan's delivery is D- Dylan-esque, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I listened to it through that filter, and as a Dylan mm. head and Dylan snob, I'm never going to be happy, am I? Because I don't really like I don't really like anything that that sounds Dylan-esque. You know, like when I okay. when I hear something mm. that has that bears his imprint, I'm like, well, it's not Dylan, you know. So I feel like I grew to enjoy it. But what else is? There's actually not not a lot of the stuff that I, I I have heard that really kind of encapsulates the Dylan-ness like this kind of thing. Maybe some maybe some Elvis Costello. I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess there's di- yeah, but, but it, yeah. There's different strands. There's like the vocal delivery. I feel like somebody like Mark Knopfler has a kind of Dylan yeah. uh, vocal style, and then but then I guess it's like lyrically. I think most Dylan uh, inspired lyrics are really really shit. Huge generalization. It, huge generalization. Which do I can't you think support. this is lyrically Dylan inspired? As no, well? not at all. That's what I mean. Is so like, I was listening to. it, I was like, why? Why are they all saying this is Dylanish? This isn't, this isn't anything like Dylan. Dylan's better than this shit. What am I doing with my life? I'm gonna go away and listen to some Bob Dylan, <laughs> basically. And then I realized that essentially there's like a couple of melodic nods. There's a couple of moments in the music where the melody is similar to a Dylan moment. Mm-hmm. And harmonically, mm-hmm. you can imagine the chords. The chords are like ones that Bob Dylan might use, except for the bridge where yeah. it modulates. But it's not that. It's not very Dylan to me. But the vocal approach, though. The vocal approach, yeah, yeah. Come on. 
But I, all I mean is that once I let go of the Dylan comparison, I was just like, this is a really, just a really satisfying pop song. And then I started to like well, it. Do you remember yeah. in the first episode of this series, which I only remember because I've been editing it, mm. but do you remember that you said something along the lines of, Ben Jones tells me there's a very uh, Dylan-esque number coming up and I can't wait to pick <laughs> holes in it because it's not Dylan-y enough. Yeah. And, and basically said what you just said. And, you know, like, no one can do Dylan like Dylan. Uh, I'm going to love pointing out how they failed to do Dylan. Yeah, yeah. But no, but um, I think they... So the, the, the attack of the vocal is Dylan-esque. Mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. and the the first line is kind of like positively Fourth Street, but not really. But that's what people on the forums are saying. You know, that seems to be the like official line is that the the, the opening line of the verse is like positively Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. I then text my friend uh, Yudi, who's like even more of a Dylan stan than me, and said like, "What does this song remind you of?" and you know the bit in the song where it's like, "And though you're not my enemy," da, 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 mm-hmm. that bit. That's very similar to Stuck Inside of Mobile. Just that mm. little moment is like very similar. So there are so so there definitely is like a, a a Dylan melodic imprint. But I guess what I mean is I was expecting it to be like more that they were trying to take the, the sort of lyrical mood of a Dylan song. And so I was looking forward mm. to them failing at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But actually they just took some nice melodic turns from Dylan and then wrote a really lovely bit of pop. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I when I first heard this, it was a standout on the album for me when I was when I first heard Pretzel Logic, and I didn't have any sort of Dylan knowledge. I don't think I've really heard a Dylan song at that point. But um, but in retrospect, I can see it's I can see it's Dylanness. But I still I still don't know enough about Dylan to comment on lyrics or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I must say, like your your initial. Uh, chili reception mm. to this song surprised me because I've literally made a list of what I see as suitor friendly ingredients. Have you in this song? Suitable. <laughs> wow, <laughs> like, I've, a, like a little recipe. I've never felt more validated as a human that you, you've taken the time to do that. Would you like to audit my list, mm. Mr. Suitor? Sorry, is this and, is this the um, ingredients for a Steely Dan song that I would like, or ingredients for any song? Just just for any song. Okay. I think this is full of uh, of suterific, <laughs> nutritious ingredients. Okay. Right. All right. Got it. So number one, decorative guitar twiddles. <laughs> I mean, well, yes, but I don't like the way you phrased it because that sounds <laughs> pure suits. <laughs> it makes them that sound. Sounds... It makes them sound useless. You know. <laughs> <laughs> really yeah. Yeah. Extraneous. So de- decorative guitar frills. Yes, I do like those. Yeah. A Dylan-like melody, number two. Although yeah, you just although that's, argued against that. Mm, also, I, I, I think Dylan's way with melody is slippery at best. Yeah, okay, all right. So, so, so not so on the money with that one. Uh, number three, a toe-tapping country rock beat. <laughs> yes. Yes, I love a toe-tapping country rock beat, for sure. Number four, bass runs in the chords. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's the way to describe. Do you know what I'm? I know you know what you that, mean. Do you know what I'm mean, yeah, meaning yeah. by that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number five, a stompy Motown middle eight. Yeah. Do like that. Yeah. Number six, swelling pedal steel. Oh, kiss me. <laughs> I mean the the pedal steel. It, it, it's it's almost as if like the the process of like like describing this song is 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 like much much better for you. 
is a pleasurable experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. This is what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. you know, why why do those why did all those elements apart from maybe the Dylan melody, but why why did all those elements leave you cold? Because... It's almost like you didn't want to like it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ben has just turned into a a, a forest owl. Like a mocking owl. Yeah, like a, like a like a very teachily pigeon. <laughs> uh, no, I do want to. As we've established, I want to like things. I don't like disliking things. I'm dragged down by my own <laughs> bullshit. But in this instance, it, it wasn't that. It was that, um, like I say, I was preoccupied by the Dylan thing, and so it stopped me from actually listening to it. Imagine you're listening to a song and somebody's told you that it sounds like Steely Dan and you listen to it and it doesn't sound like Steely Dan. Wouldn't that really weigh on your mind? But it's only because everyone, all of us too, I'm sure <laughs> I can speak for Ben here, were excited by the fact that you like Dylan mm. and there's a Dylan-y song coming up and we were like, Andrew Andrew might like something. Yeah. And I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth here, Ben Jones. No, no, no. I, I totally thought that as well. Um, uh, but but I can see I can see Andrew's point. Like like, like you know when you when you hold something something up so highly, uh, uh, like mm. Bob Dylan, uh, and then and then someone says, yeah, this is like this. This is like what you like. You know, yeah. you kind of predisposed to to be like, oh well, I'm not sure. But also, yeah, well, that's that's a very that's a very kind way of putting it. I would put it as Andrew Suter doesn't like. Things that he's told to like, yeah. But I, I think we all he doesn't will like have a liking bit of that. things he's told to like. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe what definitely... you need to go is just like like drop a song on someone's fucking Facebook or whatever, and just say this, and and then they, and then they they take take from it what what they can, um, mm. what they want to. Uh, don't say this is this is this. Um, yeah, yeah. No, my, don't, my, feed, no, don't feed fair, them any info. To be fair, I. I do, I do feel the same way. And if someone told me something sounded like Steely Dan, I would, I would, I would probably dislike it before I even press play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, I was, this is what I was building up to. Is mm. I accept your diagnosis of my sickness, which is that <laughs> I cannot, I cannot enjoy anything if I'm told to, not just musically, just in life. Mm. Uh, yeah. I have to arrive at my own fun painfully, slowly. Um, but and and so sure, like well well spotted. But you are exactly the same, if not more so, Oliver. Because you and also you're more snooty than me. Like you you you're more of a like a muso snob, I would say, than I am. But I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, having just dropped that little bomb mini bombshell, <laughs> <laughs> we we probably shouldn't get into it. I don't. I don't disagree with you, mm. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how would, would you guys like to hear the uh, the demo? Oh, go on then. Yeah. Because this is one of the songs they recorded in between sort of 68, 71 in demo form when they were when they were hawking songs. Um, so maybe you'll find the demo a little more, Dylan-y. We'll see. Uh, but it, it goes a little like this. Yep, still bangs. Still bangs. <laughs> you think oh, so yeah. it's not like uh it, we we listened to the uh brooklyn demo for the brooklyn episode and that was very like uh that was very like okay fagan's trying to be dylan i don't think he is here 
Uh, I think he's. I think that's more of a Dylan delivery than the album version. Vo- vocal, I I feel like that's slightly more of a, a Dylan delivery. There was there was a few moments where it was a little bit uh, um, straining, you know, that kind of straining it, feel. It's just it's just not as good a vocal, is it? It's in the beginning, in the, yeah, in the world was a bit it's a little bit like that he also sounds like he's swallowing quite a lot it's like i'm not one you let me you know like he's balancing something he was eating at the same time or something there was something in the in in the throat like his he he had his because you know how his mouth is very big and like he has a very expandable jaw it's, it's kind of like you know when you leave your mouth open for too long and it fills up with saliva okay yeah it's like he was playing it's like he was playing the piano intro with his mouth ajar like and then he starts singing and he really wants to swallow. He's just like, you know, it's like balancing the saliva just on the um, uh, the, the entry point to his <coughs> gullet. Like when, you're, when, like when you're at the dentist. Yeah. Um, Ollie, what do you think of the demo? You don't like the vocal. I think it's, I think it's perfectly fine as a demo. It sounds like the song. Yeah. Um, almost not worth us listening to it, really. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just funny, though. It it's, might, it's like might be interesting. Content-wise, I was I was like, okay, this feels a little bit, you know, retro. It's like a college-era song because it's college content, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's about their time at Bard or whatever. But um, but musically, I feel like it's more more bit much more progressive than say like Change of the Guard or whatever. Was. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's mm. certainly better. It does fit. What I can say about the demo is it does feel like they all just wrote parts for the demo. Does that make sense? Like, uh, like Don was like, I've got this song from back in the day. Why don't we do it? And then they all just were like, yeah, that's fine. That's the structure. Mm. That's the dynamic. Let's all just write bits that make sense. Because if there's one criticism of the song I can levy against it, is it does feel like like there's not a lot of dynamic range in this song. Yeah, It's just, it's just kind of like um, everyone playing all of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's what it's how it's like what I was saying about it. You know, it, you can you can listen to it like again and again and again. It doesn't doesn't jar in any. You know, there's no there's no surprise mm. moments of of dynamics. You know, I could I could have listened to it for eight hours. I think, and <laughs> <laughs> and it not it, you know it's a really great like you know it's like credence or whatever it just chugles along. And, so it <laughs> before you know before, <laughs> before you know it eight, eighteen hours have gone by and you're like oh wow I didn't know they had that much stuff. Mm. So it, so so when you said it faded into the background it didn't annoy you it just it was just present. Yeah yeah but it was it's, pleasant ple- it's pleasurable it's pleasurable yeah 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 it's pleasurable it's it's kind of like a sweet summer's day you know it's just like mm. um you know there's no one coming in with a strimmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo yo, Jay Z, look out! Is a music is a music point we haven't mentioned. There's no guitar solos in this song, mate. No guitar <laughs> solos. <that>. Yeah. <laughs> Where the fuck are they? Mm. What, what was Skunk doing? He's just like simmering, simmering angrily in the background. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I well, think probably. Skunk, yeah. Skunk, I'm sure, is playing the pedal steel because he always does. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not very uh, it's it's not very audible, is it? You can't let no, people like that not solo. They'll get angry. Well, he left. <laughs> he left after this, didn't he? 
after this song, literally. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, well, that's the thing. Maybe in the in the process of like, maybe there was a pop point where they were like, okay, well, we could try, we could try a solo. And then and then they tried something out and then it just actually didn't work. So mm. they, uh, they were like, no, 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 leave it out. Or maybe it yeah, was so yeah. tight from the start. Because when, when you've got an older song and it's so entrenched and so composed already uh it doesn't have any have any space yeah know, that's it isn't it like i it think is. that's i think that's probably what's happened mm. maybe they were like we need another up tempo number go to the old songbook yeah, yeah yeah well this is the thing i think i was uh, saying this to you ben when we last spoke was like i don't know how fair this is but it, it feels like the you know the, the the official narrative about steely dan is that they were like unfuckable with art rock gods who just did everything in, in their own way they didn't take any bullshit from anybody it's just like everything was idiosyncratic and whatever but it really feels on this album like they're reaching for like ollie was implying it's like right we need a fast one here so we're going to go yeah. back to this slightly workman like dylan knockoff from 1968 you know what, what i'm saying is there is like a workman like professional songwriter vibe to these early albums which to me is like slightly jarring. It is, it's at odds with like the official Steely Dan story. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting. And it's, this is my introduction really more or less to Steely Dan. Yeah. Uh, you know, this album. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot more pop bitch, basically. Um, mm. This is, this is totally like you can feel this on the FM radio in the early seventies, like in, in your Cadillac. Uh, going down the old, uh, <laughs> going down the old highway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, of course, lyrically, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's there's paranoia and uh, and uh, stranger danger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn! 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 So it's time for the feature that we call San Francisco Show and Tell, which I believe is a reference to a lyric of a song that I haven't heard yet. Is that Babylon. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You won't hear it for many years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so each episode, uh, Ollie and I take it in turns to bring in something to show or something to tell. Um, <laughs> this episode... This episode... Oh, the spirit of Radio 1 circa 1972 just into the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this episode, I have brought in a rendition of Barrytown performed by uh, my friend uh, Tom Peel, who does a very good Bob Dylan impression. And I asked him to do this. He delivered with a slight twist on the song. So I present mm. to you... My my friend Tom Peel performing stuck inside of Barrytown with the Memphis Blues again. <laughs> Great. I'm not one to look behind. I know that times must change, but over there in Barrytown they do things very strange. And though you're not my enemy. Things like they used to be Though you'd like some company I'm standing by myself Go play with someone else I'm stuck inside a Barrytown With a Memphis 
just lose again Yes, I'm stuck inside a buried town with a Memphis blues again Don't believe I'm taken in by stories I've heard I just read the daily news and I swear by every word And don't think that I'm out of line For speaking out for what is mine I'd like to see you do just fine But look at what you wear And the way you cut your hair I'm stuck inside a fairy town With the Memphis blues again Yes, I'm stuck inside a fairy town With the Memphis blues again So there we have it. Yeah. Bravo. That's brilliant, man. It sounds Bravo. like a basement tape off cut, man. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I think that that is the best Bob Dylan impression I've ever heard in my life. He's extremely good. Isn't it? It's like... I mean, I mean he, he he's missing a trick by not being a Bob Dylan impersonator. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's... I mean, there's no way for me to say this without sounding punchable. But it's it's the attention to detail. It's like a it's like a granular Bob Dylan impression. Like there's little moments that sound like very specific moments in Bob Dylan songs, you know. Like But okay. you know it's highlight it's highlighting what about that song is so Dylanesque yeah. in terms of the um it's chord progression as well. Mm. You know, especially the part where it's like uh you know, baby. Yeah, yeah. That that chord progression is is completely Yeah. Wait, it's wait, a, it's this a was, that wasn't the Barrytown yeah. chords, was it? I think it was roughly the Barrytown chords, more or less. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, thought yeah, he'd, yeah. I thought he'd stuck it on top of a Dylan song. No, no. I think, oh. the same chords the same. I think there's a little bit of liberty with the chords, but um, uh-huh. I, I mean, oh. I just uh, a high five to Tom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, check him out at um, whatever his social media. I'm sure you've prepared this, Andrew, to give your friend a shout out. Uh, he's very good when he's not being Bob Dylan as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Check him but, out at TomPeel.tom. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got some great albums on Bandcamp. If you search for Tom so, Peel yeah. on Bandcamp, there we go. Um, you just saved yourself. One of them featuring Tom? your friend and mine, me. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, have you heard of me? <laughs> as co-producer and instrumentalist. Um, nice. But yeah, thank you very much, much Tom. That was uh, it exceeded my already high expectations. So bravo, oh, brilliant, excellent. truly excellent. Yeah. Hats off. Truly even excellent. even if this 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 episode is a, is a pile of dog shit, that will redeem it. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a like a four minute episode where we introduce that, play it, and then thank our patrons. <laughs> Somehow we we got into writing these like vaguely sadomasochistic. Uh, lyrics um not that either of us were really involved in anything like that but it, it, it just it, it seemed like uh, fresh material you know yeah the lyrics i'll tell you can i tell you what i think is going to happen to the lyrics in this section mm. basically it just just yeah. to soften the blow because what's going to happen i think is i'm going to i'm going to shortly ask ben to sum up this song and then i'm going to go to great lengths to prove him wrong mm-hmm but it's because I have a particular bugbear 
surrounding this song and its lyrical meaning. So, sorry to make you the sort of straw man, guinea pig, fall guy, etc. for this, Ben. Do you want to sum up this song for us? What, what's Barrytown about? So, um, for me, I'm, 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 in two, I'm in two minds as to whether this is the, this is the voice of, say, Donald Fagan or um, this is um, the voice of a right-wing character uh, that lives um, in the in the Barrytown region or the um, you know the upstate New York area in the vicinity. Yeah, because Barrytown is a real place. We we should we we should say Barrytown is like a five-minute drive from Bard College where. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Becker and Fagan went to university, and, okay. and also uh, uh, I don't know if I'm I'm jumping the gun here, but the, you know the context is that like uh, Barrytime, um, what what Donald Fagan is probably referring to is the Unitarian Church uh, that set up in in Barrytown, the uh, mass marrying mm-hmm. Christian sect that set up in you know it, it was just like like this weird confluence in in upstate, uh, upstate New York of like colleges and cults and hippies <laughs> that was happening but um yeah so it turned out so barrytown th- yeah. this is the this is the theory that this is what it alludes to is the uh the cult members basically um of, all right uh, yeah i thought it was having a swipe at uh at students and hippies i, I as in i thought that the the the, the narrator whether that's donald fagan or, or a character i thought the the person singing the song is is having a bash at progressives in a in a. I, th- I, I think it is doing that. I think it is doing that. Mm. But it also is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is what the the Unitarians represent because they were seen as 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 hippies, even though it was a ostensibly a Christian cult. It's still oh, I it's see. still right, a cult, right. you know. Okay, uh, they're still seen as weirdos. Well, you know? can I just say? I thought, like, I, I, I've heard this theory as well, and for for ages, I, I was confused about this song. As people, as people of genius, seem to be confused as well. You mentioned you were, you didn't know if this was like Donald Fagan to the Moonies or the right winger to the, to the hippies or whatever, and 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 it kind of, it kind of changes the feel of the song. If you think of this as like, as like Donald Fagan and Walter Becker being pissed off at Moonies who are nearby, it completely changes. Yeah. The, t- the the tone of the song yeah. versus their like speaking through the mouth of a of of, of a uh, of an intolerant person. So you did fall into my trap, which is the Mooney thing, because I, I knew have that, basically I knew that like, was the trap. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I as soon as Ben said Moonies, I was like, I could see you ready to pounce. My my my, gi- my gigantic man sized flypaper. Yeah, yeah, has has done its job. <laughs> and, uh, so here's the thing. This is this is repeated all over the internet, and and it's and it's common Dan law that this Mooney thing is true. It says on the Steely Dan dictionary, which is one of the biggest Steely Dan websites, the oldest, I should say, Steely Dan websites, very well known, said that uh, Barrytown neighborhood in upstate New York, close close to Bard College, its biggest claim to fame would be as the headquarters of the Unification Church, aka the Moonies. And then all the lovely stuff you said. As a fundraising measure, followers would stand at street corners carrying small bouquets of flowers, hence the lyric, I can see by what you carry that you come from Barrytown. Now, the Moonies were never headquartered in Barrytown. So that's just plain wrong. What? The Moonies, the Moonies yeah. were 
And I, Moonies is pejorative, so perhaps I shouldn't keep saying Moonies <laughs> again and again. It's just glee. fun to say. It's just fun <laughs> to say. You did say about moonies, four times. Like we put like Moonies, Moonies. The unification. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun to say. It is fun to say. The Unification Church, get this, was headquartered in Tarrytown, New York, which is, I don't know, about an hour and a half away from, from Barrytown, is this a, New York. Is this a scoop? Are you the first person to blow the lid on this fucking misinformation? I, th- I think I might be the first person to put this all together, right? So so the Moonies were, were headquartered in Tarrytown, New York. Were the Moonies in Barrytown, New York? Yes, they were. They had a theological seminary there, which opened in 1974. Mm-hmm. After, and after this album entered, was so, released. Yeah, so well, this was in... Yeah, so it was, it was... This was released in early 1974, recorded in late 1973. Right. Yeah, so that was after the album yeah. was recorded. They, moved, they opened a seminary in Barrytown. Were the Moonies in Tarrytown when the album was recorded? Quite possibly. They opened their international headquarters in Tarrytown in 1973. So it could have been at the same time. Right? However, we listened to a demo, did we not? Yeah, from between 68 and 71. Exactly. <laughs> so there's no, there is no way that this song... Because it dates between 1968 and 71, which is before... The Moonies came to Tarrytown, so it's Tarrytown is not a stand-in for Barrytown is not a stand-in for Tarrytown because yeah. there's no there's no chance there there would there would have been no connection between Tarry Barry or the Unification Church yeah. at this by the time the song was written. So, but I don't get it because like why what's the because what's the significance of Barrytown? Uh, you know, ha, you know, having ha, having the cult because, like, from from what I understand, like Barrytown is basically just just quite an up up market, you know, uh, up uh, upstate New York seat of of posh people in in houses with columns, you know. I don't know much about Barrytown, but I would I would guess that you know if if all my research is correct and all my dates line up then they literally were just at university next to Barrytown and it was a nice name to put in a song. That's all I'm going to say. Simple as that. Um, this is going to drop a massive bomb in the damn community, Ollie. I hope you know what you're doing. I, 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 I consider it thoroughly debunked, mate. Yeah, I, uh, can I just say, in all sincerity, <laughs> I'm excited and impressed. Because finally, rather than just babbling on half-cut about these songs... <laughs> You've actually gone away and and dug up a, a, a new truth, and uh, you know, Ollie, this is your legacy, right now. <laughs> Wait a. But also, I, I hope you're ready for the hate mail. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of hate mail because people don't want don't, don't want to be absolutely just, just the lyrics just, about Barrytown. Just one more. Show. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling lyrical prophecy. Yeah, dickheads. So, sorry, dickheads who haven't <laughs> hate mailed me yet, but probably will now. Uh, Don't you realise uh, the irony, you fiction? There was an interview with Katz, uh, mm. I think a fairly contemporary interview, where the inter- the radio interviewer, I think, said, I- I've been told that Barrytown is a pseudonym for Tarrytown, and it's all about the Moonies situation. So this rumour was going back to, mm. like, you know, I can't remember when this interview's from, but it's like 70s or 80s. Uh, and Kat says, oh, no, that's completely off. That's not right. I think that's just about a small town. I love that song. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Nice song, that. 
so you know so, sorry sorry you see how you were necessary for me to set up that that truth and then debunk it <laughs> Okay, so I, I, I believe mm. in, in the case that you just made. So, moving on, who is singing this song? If it's not about, if it's not uh, Donald Fagan slagging off the Moonies, who is it? I see it as... Who's slagging off who and why should we mm. care? Yeah, well, uh, just, to, just to go back to our old friend, our oldest friend, you could say, I think this is... Um, Randy Newman. This is... This is yeah. This is Fagan getting Randy, yep. so to speak. Yep. Fagan is in in mm. in the manner of Randy Newman inhabiting mm. an intolerant prick <laughs> and speaking from the mouthpiece of an intolerant prick and using the song to point out the contradiction yes, between yes, 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 yes. their statements and actions. Mm. I think, which is why I, I've I've written here, which you might you know, it's pretty much another vibe. I was vibing it all over the place of this one, but this is kind of I'm not racist, but the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know that you know the perfect thing about this song is that like if you are intolerant, right, you can you can take this song and and uh, unironically and and use it as your. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, this is yeah, this song. is the Randy dilemma. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, like, well, well exactly. It. You, you hate short, if you hate short people, then you can use that use uh, a certain song as your anthem. You know. Um, yeah, but, but not res- um, not respectably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the line about like they've got stupid little faces going beep beep beep? <laughs> stupid little cars going beep beep beep. Like, <laughs> if you were saying that, <laughs> like, well, Randy Newman said it. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, like it, it kind of it's that fence sitting thing of like. You can take it non non ironically or ironically. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I, I guess. Well, we, the, the, to to to. I was going to say people like us, which is a really smug and unhelpful phrase. But I guess I just mean we probably all have had the same response, which is you hear a lyric like. And though you're not my enemy, I like things like they used to be. The, the your ears prick up, and you're like, it sounds like that person is protesting too much, or they're trying to cloak their. They're trying to conceal the depth of their regressiveness. Yeah. As in the, no, you're not my enemy is bullshit. The real bit is I like things like they used to be, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I think for me. Mm-hmm. But, but, but if you, but, but people do say that kind of thing and uh, would consider it uh, like, like a telegraph reader set, could, could say lines from this song and not lampoon, be lampooning yeah, themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there's plenty of people around nowadays who consider themselves, who pride themselves on their sort of individualistic quote-unquote thinking yeah. and their ability to see see past uh, BS and, and think for themselves who more or less subscribe to the thoughts in this <laughs> yeah. song. So it's like, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm not one to look behind. I know times must change. I'm, I'm looking to the future, but all hippies, <laughs> black people, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, are are just by some universal truth the target of my ire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> but I, so I guess the the thing for me about this song, I I agree, is very Newmanesque, and it it kind of skirts around the same trap that Newman sometimes falls into, which is 
like, okay, so I'm writing a song from the perspective of a fictitious avatar who represents something that I hate. So I need to make it believable and kind of like documentarian in a way. So I need to put in a reference to the Daily News. I need to put in a reference to haircuts. You know, you need to make it feel real to that character. But you also need to put in the lyrics that I, Randy Newman, or I, Donald Fagan, don't share this belief. And that's mm-hmm. where the clumsy, like in, in Newman, the bits that I don't find so convincing is where you can hear his authorial voice mm-hmm. kind of butting in. It's like, well, that character would never say that thing. You're just putting that in because you need to signal to the audience the line where yeah. you and the narrator part ways. Which the big one, the big one here is, I just read the daily news and swear by every word. Like nobody would ever say that. Somebody would say... Um, I'm not one to look behind and know that times must change. Don't believe I'm taken in by stories I've heard. But yeah, it's like... It follows a very strict structure, this song, where it's like, where it's like I'm going to make... Um, I'm going to make a claim about my progressiveness or free ability to think for myself and then instantly contradict it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it kind of ramps up with each one. The, the most obvious one where he's aware that he's doing that is, is, the, is the Daily News line, but it kind of does it throughout. Yeah. Um, it kind of sets up like I'm a free thinker. Don't get me wrong, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like them, but here's a screed against you and your kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the rest of the verse, yeah. and then repeat. Yeah. Um. It's it's a yeah. It's a really um. It's a formulaic, but in that sense, but really well done lyric. I think. We sort of cop the name from a uh, uh, popular novel of the day because uh, we needed needed to call it something. We had been calling ourselves, you know, Becker and Fagan and stuff like that, which sounded more or less like a delicatessen or some sort of, you know, tailoring outfit. And so we were glad to have something else to use. We interrupt proceedings to bring you a new segment, which is called uh, Brian Roston Storytime. Now, this was created by accident, uh, birthed by accident last episode, um, when my show and tell was to get someone on Fiverr to write a, a story with with the lyric of the a lyric of the song as a prompt right uh, and found this guy called Brian Ruston and he kicked out of the park and he had a story do you remember the story Andrew can you sum it up yeah so the prompt the the like story writing prompt was any major dude will tell you so the op- any major dude with half a heart surely would tell you my friend that was the prompt and then he wrote like a short bit of like mini fiction using that as like mm-hmm. the the springboard and the story that he wrote yeah. me and Ollie didn't get it for about an hour and then it dawned on both of us almost simultaneously what was happening in it so basically it mm-hmm. was uh, a guy two friends on a playing field and mm-hmm. one of them is, has got fertilizer and uh, fruit loops a fertilizer spreader and Fruit Loops, and, and and he's and he's planning, I think, to put the Fruit Loops in the fertilizer spreader and spell out a promposal for a girl. Mm. That's basically where we got to, and it was a misadventure, a misdeed, and one of the friends was worried about whether his friend was going to go through with it, and that's that's basically the, the story summed up. Brian did it much better than our synopsis, <laughs> yeah. but. In any case, what I've asked... So this guy, is, he's not a Dan head. He's not a Dan head, right? I don't know. He I doesn't don't, know he's a, he's a mysterious oh. figure. Right. He's a, he's a mystery. Oh, my God. He's, we don't, I don't know if he's a Dan head, but he did call his the story two against the natural grass of a high school football field. Mm. 
So if anything, right. at the very least, he does his research. Yeah. So, you know, props for okay. that. All right, all right, anyway, all right. what I've asked Brian Roston to do is to continue this story, and because I was like, I want to know what happens next, uh, but to use lyrics from Steely Dan songs as prompts as we go. So I've asked him to write for the whole rest of the album little micro stories nice. as well to continue nice. the story. So we're going to have chapter two today, and this is based on the prompt... I'm not one to look behind. I know that times must change, and we we're still on set the scene. We're still on the field um, with this promposal mistake mm. that's happening, right? So it goes like this: two against the natural grass of a high school football field, part two, Fairy Town. I'm not one to look behind. I know that times must change, but goddamn, if my friend Victor isn't one of the dumbest people to keep going back to this girl. And now he's risking expulsion by trying to stain the high school football field to spell out the words, prom with me, Katie Lee. In fairness, Victor's last promposal merely involved box wine and a ring pop, but it's a big leap for him to assume that's why she cheated on him. In the orange haze of a streetlight, I try to convince him to go home. Lovely. So that's beautiful. That's suspenseful. Yeah. Yeah, can't you just... Oof. Oh, I love the mix of registers. I love the move from box wine and ring pops to the orange haze of a street lamp. It's <sighs> it's vivid, it's uh, it's witty. Brian, you're a fucking legend. Wait until you hear the next bit, but you'll have to wait until next episode. Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. Honestly, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Tend to hooks all round. Guys, you're going to really want to tune into the next episode because... Um... It's juicy. I mean, you know, this, this, the, the next song in, in, on the album is just a prompt for whatever Brian Roston comes up with, which will be transcendent. One day, these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. Uh, any standout lyrics, guys, that you want to talk about? I mean, I really like... Go play with someone else. Not not especially because of its uh, any meaning I can take from it, but I just it's just a very satisfying... Uh, there's a nice thrust to the line, the way he sings it, which is, at this stage of the evening, I would describe as Dylan-esque. Go play with someone mm. else. You know, it's like... Um, That's where he has the most Dylan-esque sort yeah, of yeah. tilt to his voice yeah. as well, isn't it? Maybe for the whole oeuvre... Yeah, yeah. One one <laughs> lyric I don't really understand is on the, on the the final verse. It feels like it's kind of climactic. Yeah, it ramps up the threat with each verse, doesn't it? Yeah, but I don't really understand it. So and don't you scream or make a shout? There's nothing you can do about. I guess it's saying like, don't you pick a fight with me? I have the power in this situation, you know. But I think what's that saying was... is like, don't don't protest your. Um, difference because there's nothing you can do about your your difference. You were born that way because then the next line goes, "It was there when you came." Oh, out. it was there. Uh, it yeah, is yeah. the it is your uh, way of behaving. Yeah, Sorry, it's, yeah, yeah. You died it's in innate to you. I get it so, now. So now this is this is where the you know it's where it gets genetic. Yeah, I was. I but that 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 that's. Pro- that. Sorry, I was just gonna say. I thought it was like it was there. When you came out, it's like Bar- as in it was in Barrytown mm. when you came out, and I was like, "What does ca- came out mean in that context?" But you're right. What it's saying is like, it the thing I hate about you was there when you were born, 
It's like you just have this yeah. inherent lack yeah, of grace. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas previously he's been going, uh, oh no, it's your haircut or it's, the, yeah, it's yeah. what you carry, whether that means you're carrying something yeah, yeah. or the way you carry yourself. Yeah. But now he's with the third verse, he's going, actually, no, scratch that. It's just yeah, yeah. it's just your genes. It's really good. You're just subhuman. I really like this lyric. And this, mm. I mean, I, I this is I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking this is probably why I liked it as a teenager because being a teenage like music snob, um, mm. you know, this tribal thing. It's like there's us and them, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, they 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 these people over they 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 don't understand. They don't understand. There is a. Well, this is it. For all its cleverness, there is a. There is a teenage. Like I can. I can imagine loving this as yeah, a teenager. Yeah. I don't know if I was quite a teenager when I first heard it because no one feels more persecuted than every teenager on earth. Yeah, yeah. I I literally had that thought listening to this song. I was like, I would have absolutely loved this song when I was fifteen. Like, I would. It would have been up up there. <laughs> well, that, that's that's the thing. I I really loved it when I was seventeen mm. because I was like, okay, you know, this is a kind of. I don't know. This makes sense to the in in, in the worldview that I'm at. I'm I'm at art college. I'm special kind of bitch. <laughs> yeah. you know? But also, it's kind of like I guess the other reason it I would mean, be very satisfying to a teenager is that it's kind of a left left wing in in a, the broadest sense, like dog whistle in in the sense that you you, oh, absolutely. you, pick, you absolutely, pick up on yeah. the ironies. You feel this protectiveness towards people who choose to have long hair and flowers in their hair and whatever. You have that predisposition. So then when you're listening to this lyric, you're like, clearly the person singing this song is being lampooned. Whereas actually it yeah. would mm-hmm. totally go over the heads of people who don't share that point of view, you know. Slam. Or. Scam. Shall we, shall we shoot this mare with a bolt to the brain? <laughs> right, so what are our verdicts, Guests guys? first, I think. I feel like we've 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 emerged over the course of this episode. We started in the locker room, sweating and making dirty jokes, and we've ended up rubbing our beards in the library. Yeah, what a it's been a proper Cluedo yeah. of an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's Clue um, for our ben. American listeners. Just to make that clear. Sorry. Yeah. This this is a um, a roadside encounter of a song. For me, I have a lot of roadside encounters. As a as a as a person who has a very powerful widow magnet, and um, and I, what are you talking about? <laughs> Not you. It sounded guys. very much like you were picking up prostitutes. That's that's how it came across. Yeah, yeah. Why? What? Why? Why? Why do you classify prostitutes as widows? I mean, like. No, no, before the weirdos, before the weirdos. You said said, I have a lot of roadside encounters. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So, um... So we've gone gone back to the locker room, haven't we? We have, we have. Um, And, and, uh, you know, while I have orgasmed several times during this podcast, I I don't consider it an erotic topic, but I have still... Uh, it has still uh, helped me um, reach my conclusion uh, orgasmically, and um, yeah, uh, no, no uh, it's um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it, 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 it feels uh, as a as an adult like like so true to so many encounters I have in the street. This mm-hmm. the, 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 this song, um, so it you know like like they say it hits different as an adult. 
listening to it mm-hmm. to when mm-hmm. it to, to to what it did as a teenager whereby it was um i, I guess about I, I guess about snobbery and kind of classifying yourself apart from the widows um or or, or the normies mm-hmm. actually or whoever you wanted to classify yourself against so mm-hmm. but um yeah it's a great another you know in a way it's a great another functional song in that way uh, and also a banger. So I hate, I hate to um, push you, push you towards. You have to say the words. That's the thing. That's what Andrew's. You have to say the words. Slam or scam? Oh, sorry. Oh, Is it a uh, royal um, slam good or a royal scam bad? Well, let me tell you. It's a slam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you chose to come on this particular episode, <laughs> so it would be bizarre it if it wasn't a slam. Really weird. <laughs> Uh, Ollie, how about you? I uh, look. I've said everything I have to say about this song. I think I've exhausted it mm. uh, into the ground. Um, so don't ask me to explain yeah. myself. It was a slam. How about you? Yeah, it's a slam. Uh, I think it's really nice, and I would enjoy it if the lyrics were less good. But the lyrics uh, have have beguiled mm. me, and it really appeals to a deep. A deep contrary streak in me, which loves w- watching conservatives expose themselves uh, as as conservative, <clears throat> not zip wise. <laughs> yeah, um, so slow. So yeah, I I think it's a it's it's probably I'm not going to say it's my favourite song on the album, but it's it's up there with my favourite Steely Dan songs. Ah, that's nice to know. Well, Wait. great. Yeah. And yet it took you so long to come around to it. How odd. Yeah. No, well, it's just because if somebody says to me, you're going to love it, it's like Bob Dylan, chances yeah. are I won't like it. Because You it's needed not to Bob let Dylan. it speak to you on its own terms. Exactly. Understood. exactly. Apologies, dear listeners, if you noticed any audio problems this episode. We had some issues with glitchy files. Hopefully we edited out most of those clicks and pops, but you might have noticed a few. Um, thanks regardless for listening. Thank you to Andrew Suter, my co-host and compatriot. Thank you to Ben Jones for guesting. Special thanks to Tom Peel for his excellent Bob Dylan impression and Brian Roston for continuing his riveting story. Special thanks, of course, to our patrons who make us happy and make it easier to do our podcast. You can join them for as little as £1.50 a month if you so wish. Um, If you don't want to join the patron but you still want to say thanks, give us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Um, As I've said, if we get 50 iTunes, five-star iTunes reviews, we will um, keep saying iTunes, but it's not a thing anymore. Is it Apple Podcasts? If we get 50 Apple Podcast reviews... I will get a Steely Dan tattoo. I'm literally selling uh, real estate of skin um, in in, uh, support of the podcast. But uh, yeah, anyway, thank you as ever. Until next week, bye-bye.